podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. Today's show we have here on Zoom, joining me from Zoom, is Carly Evans. She is an on-air personality, a podcast host, booking agent, and former program director. So welcome, Carly. How are you tonight? Thank you, Allison. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's great to great to have been connected to you recently. Thank um, I mean, we're both kind of in the music business, but uh, we were connected by a friend who is not at all in the music business, which is kind of fun. <laughs> I love how that happens. Yes, um, it's a small world. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that friend, uh, I think he would not mind if we talked about him here. Our, our friend Josh is, uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you want to tell how we got connected or should I tell? Yes, well, I can tell my my yeah. side of the of the story. Josh um, was, I think, just a year ahead of me in school. Uh, we were from the same hometown, and you know, uh, met in high school, and used to hang out. Um, you know, and so we've kept in touch thanks to social media and everything. And uh, but he met you because we're big Chiefs fans, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. So I'll let you, um, well, real, when we, he introduced us, so I have uh, recently become um, a booking agent as well, as Allison mentioned. And so he hit me up on Facebook. I had put out there like uh, looking for venues, wanting friends and musician friends um, to let me know about venues to look into for booking. And that's when he connected me to Allison. And I'll let you share your side of the story. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, he had, uh, so, so my husband and I are, you know, kind of in this Kansas city chiefs fan club in the Milwaukee area, which I don't, I normally don't have any reason to talk about here (laughs) on the podcast. Thought I could help. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a like strange and weird part of my life that I never, yeah, never usually mixes with music. So, um, But yeah, uh, so Josh uh, had moved up here with his family. I think it's actually he started his family up here after he had moved up here with Misty. And uh, he is from Chiefs territory, as mm-hmm. you are originally. And uh, and and we've just, I mean, my husband has been a Chiefs fan since he was young. Well, yeah, since he was probably a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a whole long story, which I won't get into, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and so we've just been a part of that same football fan group for a long time now, and uh, and the rest is history. <laughs> I love it. Well, and the funny thing is, it was because of radio that I became a Chiefs fan. I was I was raised a Cowboys fan, and oh. yeah, and but when I started in radio, I started as a a nighttime like part time uh, board operator running oh. sports, and one of those you know sports things I had to do was were the Chiefs. So it was either become a fan or be miserable for five hours of my, <laughs> my Sunday. And, and I, I became a fan, you know, so I'd watch it on TV while I ran it on the radio and I'd order in some pizza. And here we are. All of a sudden <laughs> it took over everything like it did for me too. Yeah, yeah. it does that. <laughs> Cause here I am in Packer land and I will admit that I definitely cheer more for the chiefs and the Packers these days, but don't tell I, anyone else. Okay. But I just said on the that. deal. Yeah. <laughs> Still love the Packers, but um, yeah, I married into the Chiefs fandom. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you and as you mentioned, you know, you are definitely one who's been in the radio industry for a long time, which I thought was really cool. Um, I have a few friends locally here who are in it, but, um, you know, and, and I could certainly talk with them at, about this at all. But it's also really interesting to, to me that you are someone from the radio industry that has now moved into the music industry. And so I'd love to just learn a little bit more about how that's all transpired and hear about the different hats that you've worn uh, in, in both in the, both parts and and uh, um, you know much less other hats that you've worn so <laughs> so uh, yeah so do you mind sharing with me well you know I like to start off the the podcast with what are you up to currently in okay. music well currently uh, we talked about the booking agent um, thing so I am booking for uh, quite a few talented artists that 
are really based in the Texas music, not necessarily country, but Texas music realm. Um, and so, you know, kind of still getting my bearings on that. That's pretty new, but it's also kind of old hat for me because I did uh, this to a point when I was in radio as well. Um, but we can talk about that here in a little bit. But um, also, I also have a podcast uh, called The Troubadour, and it seems to be a lot along the same lines as this podcast where, uh, you know, we talk to mainly independent artists, um, especially in the Texas country and red dirt scene. But a lot of it is also very educational where it's supporting uh, up and coming artists and, you know, sharing the stories of people that have gone before and in other industry professionals and experts uh, that kind of share best ways to go about things, you know, like treating it like a business and um, how to get in touch with venues, how to do the booking thing, how to do promotions, you know, all of that. Um, and also how to just get better at your craft as well. Yeah, that's awesome. How long have you had that podcast? Oh, man, we started it, officially launched it um, with our first episodes. My co-host had actually done quite a few episodes, I think like 17 episodes, and I was a guest as one of them. Um, and so in 2018, I was kind of between jobs. My now husband and I, he had gotten transferred to Colorado from Texas and we had moved down there for my job. So then we moved to Colorado for his. So mm -hmm. I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so he approached and asked if I would like to join his co-host. And so it took us uh, a little less than a year to get it relaunched, get our first episodes going together with kind of the new version. So that's been going since 2019. So I guess we just hit like three official years. Oh, wow. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's been good. Recently we were doing weekly for the first two. And then at the start of this year, we moved to monthly, but we're hoping to kind of pick up that cadence. Cause I had done another career change. Um, <laughs> so I left radio at the end of, end of 2021, uh, to go try something new. I won't get into all the details. Um, cause I, I don't want to leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth for, um, <laughs> with my experiences, we'll put it that way. But I realized that that was not the right move for me mm -hmm. and I missed radio and I missed my music people. Yeah. And so it was something that wasn't music related. Yes, it was, it was something completely different. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, it's something that I always been curious about. And then I, I, Hey, I found out it was not for me. So mm -hmm. it worked out in a way. Yeah. Now you can say you tried it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, is your husband also in music at all or in radio? Um, no, he, uh, he's in construction. He's also an artist. Uh, he paints. Um, I know people aren't watching this video, but one of his like very first works is right behind me, uh, oh, cool. in my, in my home studio. But, um, so he's hey, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll use a video for like, um, sometimes we do this for like a special, uh, patron exclusive or something. Oh, cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome. But, yeah. So maybe we'll have a use for yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, but, uh, his day job is, so he does play guitar and he sings a bit, but it's more of a hobby and, like he'll jam out, you know, with friends and especially when our musician friends come around and stuff. Um, but his day job is construction project management. He's a field superintendent. Uh, okay. So that's what he was doing in Texas. Well, he's done that his whole life and then got on with a company in Texas that transferred us to Colorado. And now he's with a different company that's local to Colorado mm -hmm. Springs where we live now. So yeah, yeah. Interesting. And so your husband has mostly been amateur musician. Mm -hmm. on, yeah, yeah. He's, he done some open mic stuff and, okay. you know, but he's, uh, he's my best concert partner, you know, he's yeah. the best yeah. person to take to a concert and, and, you know, hang introduced to my musician friends and all that good stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I wasn't going to bring this up. It just, you know, as you were talking, it kind of reminds me of my own situation, which is, uh, and I was, you know, the question I have is like, cause, cause my own husband has nothing to do with music completely. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people are like, wow, how, like, how do you two actually like do things together? And, um, but it's actually kind of been nice sometimes because like, you know, we're on very complimentary schedules and, um, and, uh, it's, it, it, it does work out, but, um, mm -hmm. did, did it take any time for your husband to like, kind of get used to what you do? And no, well, uh, we had known each other. Sorry. I kind of cut you off there. I apologize. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, we had known each other for a little or known of each other. We didn't really know, know each other, but we had kind of ran in the same circles. Um, it was when I was doing radio, running a radio station in Manhattan, Kansas, and that's where he's from. 
Um, and so we had a lot of mutual friends. So he already knew who I was and what I did. And he would see me at shows, um, you know, and all of that. So the first show we ever went to together, like that was a pretty big sign. I knew he was the one because he was different than any other date, quote unquote, that I had had to a concert, you know, where in the past I'm working, you know, and in the past it was, you're not paying any attention to me and you're just backstage having fun and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, some of the guys could be jerks. Um, Mm -hmm. but he was like, I go check on him and he's like, I'm a big boy. I know you're working. You don't need to worry about me. I'm fine. You know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're amazing. (laughs) This is the best thing ever. And, you know, he didn't fanboy. He wasn't ever inappropriate. He, he was just, he was just good, you know, and he just, he got along and he got to know people and made friends and just really, it was almost seamless that he got into this, this life of mine. Nice. Nice. Did you hear that men listening to this? Like, <laughs> This is what our female musicians out there really could yeah. use. <laughs> right. Females in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> you need a good support system and somebody who understands that you're working and, and just support man and take care of yourself. You're a big boy. And also the ones that can cook, uh, you know, because I don't know, I, I don't think you mentioned that, right? Um, it, no, I hadn't. And he may or may not. I don't know. I should have. He, he does. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's very good. At it. He, he's like, it's weird here in the past couple of weeks. I don't know what's happened, but he's taken over the majority of the cooking. Um, he's a great cook. And in fact, he invited some of our musician friends over that are going to be in town for Friday to cook for them, you know, and usually it's me that's spearheading that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it because, um, yeah, I mean, and then it's wh- whoever has the crazy schedule, you know, whether that's the, the husband and the couple or what, you know, whoever that mm. partner is, but the ones who work nights often <laughs> kind of rely on that spouse nights or weekends or whatever the crazy schedule is you know you need Mm -hmm. someone who can help with some of the meals sometimes (laughs) yeah you need a partner that's what you need you need a partner exactly yeah balance each other out because there's gonna be times like I know him and I've had it I'm sure you and your husband have where one of us is just exhausted and the other one steps up you know and takes care of the other one and sometimes you're both just exhausted and you order pizza (laughs) and the house stays messy Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm mm-hmm I hear that. I hear that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's nice that both can do equal parts for sure. Yeah. 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 So, all right, let's get back to the topic at hand. (laughs) (laughs) But shout out to your husband. What's his name? His name's Jesse. Jesse. Awesome. Great work, Jesse. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. You got a real catch there, Carly. So (laughs) I I do know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. So I want to ask you a little bit about um, just your backstory. And so how did you first decide that you were going to get into radio? So it was it was actually kind of funny. There was uh, a TV station at my high school in Hayes, Kansas. And so I started I was like, oh, that'd be fun. And I was always kind of interested in broadcasting. And so I got on just um, kind of doing it for fun and learning how to, you know, do video editing and all that stuff. And then the next year I put in for, um, I almost said applied. I'm not even sure. So I signed up for the next level class, which turned out to be like the on-air reporters and anchors. Um, and so I, I had to get approval, which I got approval, thankfully. And so I did that my whole senior year. And when it was close to graduation, a friend of mine who had been working at the local radio stations asked, uh, you know, why aren't you working at the radio stations? And I was like, well, I don't know. And he goes, don't, are you want to be in broadcasting? Right. And I was like, yeah, in some fashion. And he said, well, get me your resume and air check or resume. Cause I didn't have an air check yet. I wouldn't, you know, other than the TV stuff. Um, and I was like, well, don't you have to be 18? Cause I was only 17 when I graduated high school. And he's like, no, just give me your stuff. And he goes, I can't guarantee, but I can get it to the right people. And so from there, um, I ended up getting an interview and got hired, as I mentioned before, as a part-time night and weekend board op and running like local games, running network games like the Chiefs. Um, And then eventually I started getting fill-in spots. Uh, There was like a Friday night request show on one of the stations. So I'd start filling in there a little bit. And then I became a regular on that show. And then I started filling in on the main day parts. And then I became a regular, you know, then I got an actual main day part show and, uh, just kind of went from there. And then 
I always just tried to learn everything that I could and help in any way that I could. You know, there was no job too small. I just wanted to know how this business worked. And so because of that, I was kind of doing the job before I graduated high school or college, excuse me. Um, but when I graduated college, I got named program director of, of the country, one of the country stations. There were two stations that were country in that cluster. And yeah, so then I, I stayed there. That was 2008 until 2013. And I had started in 2002. So for 11 years, I worked there in my hometown. And, um, and then I uh, had a, a colleague let me know that he was leaving his station in Manhattan, Kansas, um, and that he put my name into the hat. And again, you know, can't guarantee anything, but you should apply. Okay, cool. I ended up getting that job. Um, that's where I met my now husband and some of my most best friends in the entire world. In fact, one of them is my boss now. <laughs> nice. Um, in a crazy turn of events, I'll get to that. But um, then from there, I got offered a uh, position as program director in Morning Show in Bryan College Station, Texas. Um, and it was just too good of a thing to pass up. And uh, so my husband and I had only been dating for four months at that time when I moved to Texas. It was a, it was a lot. It was scary. It was crazy uh, for a lot of different reasons. But he came down with me. We made it work um, down there for three years when we found out he was getting transferred to Colorado because, you know, he has to go where the, the project is. And this was a national company at the time. And um, so I thought I was getting out of radio and I had a lot of colleagues cause I had primarily, or had always had some sort of focus on the Texas country red dirt scene. And so I had a lot of colleagues that, uh, especially when I was in Texas and they were like, you need to talk to this station owner in Colorado Springs. He's doing Texas country and red dirt. Cause I, I really didn't at the time want to be in radio if I couldn't be involved in the industry that I loved. Um, so I got in touch with him. I started doing remote voice tracking from Fort Collins and another crazy turn of events. Uh, for the sake of time, I won't get into all the details, but we ended up moving to Colorado Springs. We found this amazing house. And so I let my boss know, I was like, hey, I'm going to be able to be more involved with the station. We're moving to, to the Springs. And uh, so from there, I was named program director. Um, again, you know, eventually he's like, you, do you want to be program director ever again? I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm good with that. Just it would be kind of hard to do it from Fort Collins. And when I moved down, it just made sense. And so I was there for uh, nearly four years. But then it just kind of came to a point where I had been doing this my entire adult life, you know, and I still loved it, but I wanted to see what else was out there and what else I could do. Um, so I, I did something. <laughs> mm -hmm. I went to a completely different industry that did use my skill set. Um, but I, I, I found out after three months, it was not for me. Um, it was not a healthy environment for me. And I was like, okay, I need to get back to something. I need to get back to my music. I need to get back to radio. I need to get back to something, but I didn't want radio to go back to being my full-time focus. Cause I still wanted to try new things and expand my horizons. So I talked to, like I said, one of my best friends who I worked with in Manhattan, who's now out here running a station and she offered me a part-time job. And I was like, that's perfect. Then at least there's something, uh, you know, while I figure the rest out. And then I talked to some other colleagues and they put me in touch with another colleague that I'd already known for a few years uh, with a management and booking company. And so he took me on. He's teaching me what he knows, you know, about the industry and how to go about booking and, and all of that. And then um, also reaching out to uh, stations for, you know, voice tracking opportunities and, and also voiceover work, working with, uh, some companies on doing that. So, yeah, so that's cool. kind of in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that's some really fun stuff. And, you know, I have a couple follow-up questions for, yeah. for some, some of what you just discussed. Um, so the first one is, um, when you went from, you know, doing it right after high school, uh, getting into radio right after that that point and uh, to getting your first program director gig. Uh, how long do you think that took? That now? took, um, so 2002 to when I was officially named in 2008, but I really had been doing the job for two years. Mm -hmm. um, so about four years is, yeah. you know, and but I was pretty diligent about things and um, had really stressed that I was there for the job you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and thankfully I had a wonderful mentor 
um, and great people around me as well that really helped with that. Um, but I was always like, let me help take something off your plate, you know, mm -hmm. type of attitude. And so uh, I, why they didn't give me the actual title until I graduated college, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was too scared to ask, you know, I was, I was a little 20 something and uh, you know, didn't, didn't like confrontation and stuff, but eventually mm -hmm. they did. And so, yeah, so about four years, six years total to get the official title. Nice. Nice. Is that common or is that kind of a fast track? I think that's more of a fast track. It, it depends on what market you're in, mm -hmm. you know, especially like in bigger markets. Um, it's, there's going to be a lot more competition for roles like that. Uh, you know, for me, I was lucky. I was in a very, very small market in Western Kansas, um, and you know, and I, it, timing was kind of everything timing was right that, you know, this person was moving out of this position. Um, cause the, the two people, the two guys who had been in that position before me, they kind of went back and forth. Um, but they had been doing it for forever, you know? So it just worked out that I was kind of in the right place at the right time to be able to step into that role. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think of radio as being as competitive, if not more competitive uh, of, of an industry to get into as being a professional musician <laughs> in some cases. I don't know. What would you say to that? I, I would absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, people ask me, well, how do you get into radio? And I'm like, especially in bigger markets, I'm like, mm -hmm. man, it's hard. All I can tell you to do is uh, be willing to do about anything, about anything morally, you know, yeah. ethically. That Thank kind you of for stuff. clarifying. Yes. Yeah. Anything, if you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. But I mean, if it's the job, you know, there's concerts, there's events, there's, there's sometimes overnight things, there's late nights, there's early mornings, you know, just be willing to pitch in, be willing to learn, be willing to do new things. Um, thankfully, my mentors and my bosses at that time, for the most part, uh, very much had the same mentality that I've always had, especially as a manager, that I will never ask you to do something or expect you to do something that I have not done or am not willing to do myself. That's a, a great way to do it. And um, yeah, I would, I would agree for sure. Um, and I, yeah. And, and that's exactly how it is for the music industry and, and performing artists and probably every industry that is competitive. Um, but uh, I, I'd like to follow up to that and, and find out. So what, what are some of the craziest things that you did have to do? Oh man. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, some of it was like severe weather coverage. Mm. You know, everybody's being told to hunker down and you're trying to get to the mm -hmm. station in some horrible weather, you know, with down tree limbs and, mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, thankfully, I think my, uh, my stuff has been pretty tame. There have been some definitely chauvinistic jerks uh, that I've had to deal with over the years. Um, but thankfully they have been few and far between as mm -hmm. well. Um, so really most of my stuff has not been out of the norm. You know, it's usually just doing some wild, crazy event, you know, or getting up on stage and introing in front of, you know, thousands mm -hmm. of people. But what they don't see is backstage, you're like running around like a chicken with your head cut off mm -hmm. and, you know, sweating buckets because it's Texas in August, you know, yeah, <laughs> and you're yeah. just dying. Um, and yeah. you're still trying to look somewhat presentable, but um, or I think, you know, one of the things was there was this, there's this amazing festival in Lenora, Kansas every year called Lenore Jubilee. And so it's like a two hour drive from Hayes where I live, but we covered all that because Western Kansas is so big. So signals go forever. So you drive all the way up there and then, you know, you stay all night and you know, you're, you're working, you're talking to people, you're doing the thing and then drive all the way home. And it just, it makes for really long days, you know, mm -hmm. and late nights, but it was, it was just awesome, especially as a, you know, a, a youngin, um, mm -hmm. getting her feet mm -hmm. wet and everything. And so, yeah, so thankfully I've, I'd never had like crazy stunts or anything. Yeah. I never is had there, to do any of that. Is there like a strangest event or most memorable event you ever got to be a part of? Oh gosh. Um, so many, like I just, all these things just kind of flew through if my you think brain. Of one, you can you can come back to it. <laughs> yeah, we might have to because it's just you know we're talking twenty years. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. But yeah, it's you know similar to some of our musician stories. It's like I bet there's yeah. some good ones from radio too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There's some yeah. I definitely would 
probably not share, you know, <laughs> in a public forum. Um, but yeah, like there's just, there's been some great ones, like, uh, riding golf carts with Blake Shelton and Jared Neiman through mm. a campground of a festival. Um, you know, got to meet Taylor Swift one time when she was on her way up. Um, I had to get, uh, <laughs> at like the very first festival I got to go to or fair, I guess it was, I ended up cutting my foot open on the back of the stage. Oh my god! And so I had to get like, you know, bandaged up by the paramedics on site. And then, um, my boyfriend at the time had to pick me up from the radio station when I got home and take me to the ER for stitches. Uh, so that was exciting. Wow. <laughs> metal staircases can be, can be very dangerous, oh. apparently, especially when you're a klutz already. Uh, well, that's <laughs> one way to learn a lesson, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No more flip-flops and metal staircases. We'll yeah. just go with that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and then I was going to ask you, what is, uh, you know, can you explain what a program director at a radio station does? I mean, we've, I, I've heard that term before. I'm sure other people have, but what exactly was, does that mean? Yeah. Um, so I'll give you the gist because I know with some stations, it can mean different things. Mm -hmm. Like I was never personally in charge of budgets mm -hmm. or anything like that. Like my GMs were always in charge of that mm -hmm. above me, or if I had an operations manager, they took care of that. Uh, so I would tell them what I needed. They would tell me if, you know, if it was in budget or not. Uh, so I never had to deal with that stuff, but I know a lot of program directors do, but essentially you're in charge of everything that's coming out of the station. Um, you know, so from the jocks on air, uh, you work with them, you air check them during their, you know, you, their time slots, you, you help plan giveaways, things like that. Um, especially if you don't have a promotions director or promotions team. Um, but then of course the music, sometimes the program director is also the music director, or at the very least they have a say, you know, in what they want the station to sound like, um, you know, the imaging, when you hear the station voice come on and identify the station, uh, you know, usually a lot of times, especially in smaller markets, the program director is in charge of writing those, working with the voice guy, um, you know, sometimes even producing those, depending on the level of package that you have from the voice guy. Um, you know, making sure the stop sets, the commercial breaks are all running where they're supposed to, everything's lined up. Uh, so yeah, essentially you're in charge of all of that. And, you know, like I said, the giveaways, um, you know, if you have remotes, things like that, any sort of station events, you're usually the ringleader and mm -hmm. uh, either planning them or at least running the show on, you know, on scene, uh, whatever that might be. So you're just, mm -hmm. you're, you're literally the director of everything. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like a radio event organizer, but yeah. for the shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Kind of to, I don't know. That helps me put it in perspective. Yeah, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that was probably the thing. I didn't hate it the most, but it stressed me out the most was when we had big events, mm -hmm. if it was on me to plan them, um, mm -hmm. especially when it came to booking talent or whatever, uh, you know, and finding the venue. And there I did work within a budget. It's like, okay, what's our budget? What can mm -hmm. I actually do here? You know, and ordering the shirts and ordering whatever mm -hmm. and planning all the things. Because I mean... I remember planning a station event while planning my wedding and I like, really oh almost had a nervous gosh. breakdown. It was the worst. I'm the worst event planner ever. And I was trying to do these two big things. And I was like, y'all just stop talking to me. You can't. Oh my gosh. My brain's not here. Somebody's going to have to pick up this extra slack because I can't do. <laughs> uh, but you live to tell about it now. I did. <laughs> We made it through. Yeah. Yeah. They Good worked for out. for you. Yeah. <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, as they say. <laughs> Absolutely. It's always good experience. You know, even stuff that I dread, uh, mm -hmm. I usually look back and it's like, I'm so glad I did it. That was a great experience. And now I know I can do it. I mm -hmm. still don't want to again, but I can if I have to, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know. For sure. And then the last question I have, uh, based on what you first discussed here, was, um, so tell me more about Red Dirt country because um you know here in wisconsin which most people probably know is where we're uh, recording mm -hmm. this from you know we have like okay i think now we have two country stations so we <laughs> had uh i shouldn't, shouldn't say wisconsin in milwaukee area gotcha. in this area um for the longest time we only had one 
uh, all country was one kind of country, pretty much. <laughs> As a result of that, yeah. there was very little talk of like other genres. It was just all one thing. Um, so, I mean, tell me about, uh, you know, the different genres, the subgenres of country music. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and there's definitely a bunch. Uh, but when I talk about like Texas country and red dirt, um, people have tried to define them over the years, like, what is the difference? And and a lot of them are like, well, if it comes out of Texas, it's Texas. If it comes out of Oklahoma, it's red dirt. But then you also have artists out of, you know, Arkansas. I mean, Nashville, I work with an artist who's based out of Nashville, and a lot of them work in Nashville now, too. Um, and then, you know, Idaho and, and Mississippi, you know, all these different places, uh, states and everything. So you can't really define it by that. But basically, what it started as, was a break from Nashville and from the mainstream scene, kind of, you know, like Willie and Waylon and Merle started with, you know, the outlaw country. It's along those same lines of the outlaw country movement, mm. but, uh, you know, it was very, um, there was that, that line drawn in the sand. And if, you know, you listen to Nashville country, you weren't good enough for Texas country mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, or you weren't real country. Um, right. now that line has definitely started dissolving. There are still some that I call purists that, hold firm to that. But so many of the artists in the industry um, ha go to Nashville now because that's where, you know, all the musicians are. That's where all the singer songwriters are. And there's a bunch in Texas too, but a lot of them will go to Nashville just to meet up to write together from, from Texas or wherever. Um, you know, so there's just so much in one area with Nashville. Um, and so I really think it's just helped the scene grow more because then Nashville starts discovering um, you know, these amazing artists and songwriters and stuff too, but they've been able, these artists now have been able to write their own ticket versus signing a deal where they're told what to sing and, and how, to, how what their look should be and mm -hmm. where they have to go. Now they, they have enough support behind them already and a big enough career that they can say, you know, these are my terms. You're going to sign on my terms, not on your terms. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with like Cody Johnson, um, you know, he has an amazing deal uh, because of that, because he grew his own career without them. And so when he actually mm -hmm. did sign, uh, you know, he got to do it his way. And so that's, that's really the, the idea behind Texas country and red dirt. Um, it's really kind of a, a regional thing that's really it's really cool. It's starting to expand and grow more uh, throughout the region. And then now nationally too, we're yeah. seeing, you know, a lot of these artists just take off and have pockets of fans even all around the world. Yeah. That's really good to know. Um, and, and it's nice to hear how, how big country is getting and, yeah. um, but also to be able to classify itself a little bit more because there, there is so such a differentiation for sure. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad to be in on, on the secrets yeah. now. <laughs> Happy to help. And, you know, and I'll say Texas country, it's not in red dirt. They're not necessarily a sound. Like maybe traditionally red dirt had a little more rock to it, but really mm -hmm. it encompasses all different styles. I mean, there's still some that lean a little pop. There's some that lean way more traditional or more folk or more bluesy or more rock, you know, Southern rock style. Um, it's just, it depends on the artist and everybody just gets to kind of do what they want. But at the end of the day, it's country. Mm -hmm. so. would, it, would it be fair to say maybe uh, the red dirt might be considered more independent country as opposed to uh, no I think they're both um kind of on the same level and really they're like they're really kind of merged into one genre now um in my opinion and I think a lot of people's opinions there might be some that might argue that with me and that's fine um but they're really they they go hand in hand I mean red dirt and Texas country have almost become interchangeable in those terms mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for explaining that. Um, some of that I was aware of, but uh, not all. Definitely not all of it. So uh, <laughs> I certainly appreciate it. Uh, it's very niche. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I love it. I love it, and I'm sure a lot of people listening will be glad to know that. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, so now I want to ask you just a little bit more about the music business. So, um, and you know, take this as music radio, however you wish to uh, to think about this. But uh, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you? And that you're part of the industry over the years and how have you been able to uh, work through them? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so I don't know. Um, well, I mean, I do know, I'm just trying to figure out how to kind of put it into words and, and where to start, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, some of it was, was 
learning everything because it's funny like even after 20 years you don't know everything you there's mm-hmm. always something to learn and and I think no matter what industry you're in the minute you know everything you should retire mm-hmm. um you know because you're, you're done and you can't be of help to anyone anymore um so I think it was always interesting that like every time I'm like okay I got this and then it's like oh that's how that works and it would mm-hmm. click like it's funny in my in in my part of the industry, I never worked with really labels. Um, you know, like I have friends who are programming music directors that they're dealing with labels all the time because they're working on, you know, more national based artists. Mine were so we're on this, I don't want to say different level because it's not that, but it's just a kind of a different type of machine, mm-hmm. I guess. So I was working with radio promoters, you know, and some of these people are now some of my closest friends in the entire world. Um, but I was, you know, talking to them every week and some of them I've known almost my entire career. And, you know, so, so that's definitely something that I guess could be a struggle in the sense that it's like, I really, I I could approach them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm sure I could figure it out, but I don't have those connections. Like, probably others that have worked primarily in mainstream country have done, um, you know, and there's always that, like I've, I've mentioned the chauvinistic side of music industry. Radio has that too, you know? Um, so there's always that kind of underlying factor that you have to deal with sometimes, uh, that was always frustrating, um, you know, or not being taken seriously when you're, you know, a 20 something running a station when everybody's older than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was always interesting too. But, um, you know, some of it, I think for the most part, like in the beginning of my career, I think one of the biggest challenges <coughs> was this uh, disconnect between programming and sales because we kind of all had our own agendas. You know, we're working to, do these cool things on air and they're, they're working to make money, but they take a different tact on things. You know, they, they want to please their client. I want to please the listener. Um, finally, I got some really good advice at one point in my career that was like, I asked, I was like, how do you bridge this gap? What do you do? We speak different languages. And he said, help them, help Mm -hmm. them sell, take them ideas that are good for on air but also good for them. Help them make money because that helps everyone. And I was like, oh, and life got a lot better <laughs> once I started taking that tact, you know, and um, we still think differently. I think sales and programming pretty well always will. But if you can learn to cross that bridge or speak their language a little bit and also kind of get ahead of them, um, then, you know, that helps things a lot with that. Uh, you know, and other times it was realizing in some instances that even though I was the program director, the station was never really mine to run. Like, yeah, I, I could make the decisions or I'd have the responsibility. And in some, a lot of, in a lot of cases, I had a lot of authority, but other cases it's like, mm, not really, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was always frustrating to kind of finally accept as well that you're most program directors, I mean, you have to answer to somebody, which is understandable, but uh, you don't always get to do the things that you'd like to do or that you think are best for the station. And I've had to fight a lot of battles with, um, you know, ownership or management, like, you know, wanting to put a piece of programming on the station that made no sense, you know, and having to like all of a sudden on a Sunday morning, stop what I'm doing and go do all this research to prove that we didn't need this or want this, uh, that it would hurt the station if we added these things, you know? Um, So fighting those battles, like keeping people who should have the best interests of the station at heart from harming the station, um, you wouldn't think you'd have to fight that battle, but you do. And that was definitely a theme of Mm -hmm. my career, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well said. Um, so many great things uh, in that in that answer. Um, and this this kind of goes along the same lines. But uh, is there a particular lesson that you've taken away from what you've done that you would like to share? Um, something that was that's really valuable. Um, so, I, yeah, go ahead. I think for me, it's kind of you know stuff that. 
I already said with, you know, never expect someone to do something you aren't willing to do Mm -hmm. or haven't done yourself. Um, And then also just never stop learning and never think you know everything. Um, Those are always my, that's why I say them a lot to people, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I've told people that before. Well, if you just know everything, then I guess you're done. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. we have no use for you anymore Um, because you're not going to grow. You're not going to change. And I never want to stop adapting and learning new things. Um, whenever someone asks me about my five-year plan, I hate that question. I understand why they ask it, but I hate it. So I always tell them I don't have one. As long as I am growing and learning and bettering myself in some fashion, then I'm happy. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm stagnating, if everything stays the same and I'm not doing anything or learning anything new, then that's when you're going to lose me. You know, that's when I'm going to walk away to find something new. Yeah, for sure. For sure. In what context do you get asked uh, about the five-year plan? I'm curious. Usually in like job interviews. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I'm always, I, now that you say that, yeah, I'm, I'm always wondering like, what do they expect? You know, (laughs) like, I don't, yeah. Like I, I didn't think I would be here interviewing with you a year ago today. So I obviously, whatever five-year plan I may have had is not there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a tough one, but, uh, yeah, no, great stuff. Great stuff. Um, I'm with you on the learning thing and that's probably (laughs) why you and I both have these, these podcasts, Mm -hmm. (laughs) something new. Yeah. Yeah. And you can learn new things, talk to new people. I think that's been one of my absolute favorite things of this industry, not only the creativity that comes from radio and then also being around singer songwriters and artists, um, you know, is just the people. You get mm-hmm. to meet so many people. And and personally, I'm naturally an introvert. Like I'm an extroverted introvert. So it does kind of suck the energy out mm-hmm. of me, but I still love it. And after I've recharged, I'm ready to get back out there and do it again, you know, because um, I love hearing people's stories and and getting to know people even, you know, through Zoom. So yeah. What are some of the, some of your favorite interviews that you've done along the way? Oh man. We've had so many good ones. Um, uh, let's see. I don't know if you're familiar, but um, we've, God, we've talked to Probably so many not. and I just yeah. wanted, <laughs> I wanted to name somebody. Um, but we, uh, we got to interview Ray Benson and Ray Wiley Hubbard. Um, they were, they're just, they're legends in, in their, you know, careers. And, oh, that was just amazing. I still can't believe we did that. And just so many others. Um the actor Barry Corbin, he was on Lonesome Dove. He was on The Ranch. Uh, he's just fantastic. He's on Yellowstone now this last season. Um, just a sweetheart of a man and just loved him. Um, gotten to interview people that I had never even heard of before uh, until, you know, they come on the podcast because thankfully my co-host and I, like, we have different connections and and somewhat different interests. Um, we share a lot of the same in music, but he goes a lot into deeper dives than I do. So he just finds these most interesting like singer songwriters or producers um, and brought them on. Um, You know, we've talked to legendary singer songwriters as well. um, And I'm blanking on people's names right now, but yeah, but we've just had, I I can't name just one. Um, There've just been so many incredible experiences getting to do this, you know, that I'm thankful for. for. Yeah, I know. I I know that's kind of a um an unfair question because <laughs> there's there's yeah, there's too many and there are some some okay. great people, but uh, uh yes, and and topics too can can be the same thing. Um but uh if there's anything that stands out, you can you can stop yeah. me and and tell me. But I will. Um are there any pieces of advice you might like to give to someone looking to do either what you're doing, what you have done in radio or what you're looking to, uh, what you are starting to do as a, in in the booking world. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think in pretty much anything you do, like I said before, be willing to just get out there and learn it, get your hands dirty, you know, be, be that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This, this isn't the word, be, be invaluable. You know, I mean, yes, everyone's replaceable at the end of the day. So if they're working you to the bone (laughs) 
and mm-hmm. they're being they're using you walk away because they'll replace you in a heartbeat if like you end up in the hospital or something uh but also be invaluable you know especially when it's good people that you're working for and try to find good people if you get red flags from the beginning uh walk away you know there are other jobs there are other opportunities uh there are times which i'm thankful now in hindsight i didn't walk away but you know i've had before where i I interviewed for a program director position when I went to accept the job, they changed it, you know, and lowered the salary and stupid me still took it. Um, Now I would not, but I'm thankful I did just because for one, I got some great experience there once that person was fired. Mm. (laughs) Um, But I also made some of the best friends and that's also how I met my husband, you know? Mm. Um, So, but watch out for those red flags, trust your gut too. Uh, absolutely be willing to work hard, but don't let them abuse you. Um, there are so many times I, I wish I would have learned sooner how to stand up for myself, um, in any situation. And, uh, right now for me, I also like, I wish I would have learned this sooner too. the art of negotiation. I have always been so scared of confrontation. I didn't want to deal with negotiation. Now that's a big part of my job and it's fun. (laughs) It's so fun. And so I'm learning that I actually like it. I, you know, and I'm starting to love it. And so it's just something that I wish I would have had the guts to do sooner. Um, you know, but don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. And if you have issues like that, like I did with confrontation, I don't know, get a friend, get somebody to like role play with you and just work on it until you're not worried about it anymore. Um, you know, something like there are times that I've gotten very angry in, in my job for good reasons. You know, it takes a lot to get me there, but when I get angry, I don't know if you have the same thing, Allison, I cry. <laughs> you just start crying. Cause you're yeah. so mad. Um, so that's, that's next on my list to work on. I want to be able to control that, <laughs> but I don't, I don't get that angry very often. So it's, it's not an easy thing to practice. <laughs> Hey, it's okay to, to feel those emotions and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good piece of advice right there. It's, <laughs> it's okay. Maybe not scream at the people under you every day by any means, but no. shoot, if, if they've earned it. <laughs> right, right. It's okay to feel those feelings. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, great stuff. I love this. Uh, so what are the big differences to you? I mean, the negotiations are probably a big one, but, uh, any, you know, the, and I know that you haven't been in the the booking work very long, but what are some of the big differences between the radio world you're in and, uh, this new one? So it's, it's kind of like, there's a lot of similarities. One is that, I mean, now I'm doing radio part-time, but with booking, I don't have a show to do every day. So that's, mm-hmm. And I don't, talk, you know, I don't talk as much because uh, usually it's through email versus there's some phone calls, but uh, it's mainly through email. So that's kind of weird. My husband gets home now and I'm working from home and I haven't talked to anybody all day, you know, so he gets an earful. Um, so that's definitely a big one. But also it's just, it's like I'm on the other side of things where before there was a part of my my job that had in radio that had kind of a booking agent aspect where we'd have artists coming to town for, uh, on, on radio tours. And so they didn't necessarily have gigs lined up, but it's always nice to make some extra money out on the road, you know? So, Hey, do you know anywhere that maybe we could play? Uh, maybe I can do a quick acoustic show, or if they had the band with them, you know, we can do this and hold on, let me check, you know, and I'd call around to venues and see what we could, we could get set up for them. Um, but in those cases, I'd always leave the money to them to work out. I'm like, okay, they have a, they have an opening. So I'm going to put you two together and you guys can work out the rest of the details because I'm not a negotiator and I don't want to negotiate your money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, obviously that has definitely changed. Um, And also there was, you know, in radio, there was still some aspect of the spotlight. So, you know, where I'm also, you know, I'm also a personality. They're in the spotlight. I'm somewhat in the spotlight. Um, And here it's, it's, I'm just, it's just behind the scenes. <laughs> and I, I really like that, you know, like I like a little bit of the spotlight and then it's like, go away. Like I like getting up on stage, getting that adrenaline rush to bring a band on and then I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I don't mm-hmm. want to be the center of attention. Don't want people looking at me. Um, I'll talk to you for sure. But you know, I just want to have a beer with my friends and my husband and, and enjoy the show type of thing. Um, you know, and here it's just like, yeah, you, 
you have no idea who I am. And I love that, you know, if, yeah. if I go to one of their shows or something. So, yeah. And there's gotta be something, um, to that where like you can kind of sneak in and sneak out anywhere and people don't know what power you have. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's just, I'm, I'm with the band type thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. But at the same time you, you do have a lot of authority. It's just that people don't always know that, you know? Yeah. And and that's okay. Yeah. 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 I like that flying under the radar thing. Yeah. Fun. (laughs) Yeah. That's really cool. Awesome. Um, and then are there any new fun upcoming things that, uh, you have to look forward to right now in your work oh, or, man. or in life in general? <laughs> right. Uh, so gosh, so many things. Um, let's see, uh, nothing big. Like, so I was just married last year. So thankfully I don't yes. have a wedding to plan this summer. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. Um, but honestly, it's, it's getting to know this, this job, this part of the industry, uh, better, uh, is, is very exciting to me. And also I've switched genres with radio stations. So I've, for the first time in my life, I'm not on a country station. I'm, or my adult life, I guess I should say I'm on an alt station, which is also awesome. So that's way broadening my horizons. Mm. Uh, a lot of the bands I already knew, obviously like big ones, like, you know, Foo Fighters and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Black Keys and stuff. But there's so many that I had no idea about. And it's, you know, just like when the friend that I'm working for, it's like when I talk to her about Texas country, uh, you know, and she's talking to me about, you know, her world. So I'm, I'm learning all these, these new bands. And I always listened to her station and I dug the music. I just never always paid attention to who the artists were. And so now I do. Um, (laughs) And so I've, you know, and I'm getting more involved uh, to a point, you know, with that station as well. And um, really excited about they have just some really cool events and stuff coming up. And I think being a part-timer now, I'm and not in charge of all the things. I'm really excited for events again, <laughs> you know, and going out and, and doing these cool things. So uh, it's like I get a new perspective on the radio industry as well. Uh, so that's that's been awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing what the summer brings with that. Um, also looking forward to, you know, just diving in deeper with with the booking agency and, um, you know, hopefully getting more artists possibly added to the roster or, you know, but also establishing relationships with more venues. Cause in the past, my, my job was to establish relationships with artists and, you know, their promoters, sometimes their management, um, and our listeners, you know, and clients. And now it's really venues are, you know, who I, I'm establishing relationships with. And I had that to a point, but always just within my market. And now this is all, some of it's within my market, but most of it's, you know, completely outside. And so that's been fun too. You know, that's definitely the difference between booking agent and radio with helping artists find mm-hmm. gigs. Um, you know, it was always focused in one central location. And yeah. now I'm, I'm all over the place from Wisconsin down to Texas, right? And, right. You know, <laughs> so. yeah. Do you have any? Let's see if um, anyone. So if we when we post this to our social media, um, let's see if uh, do you have any questions for uh, on this part of the industry that anyone can answer? Um. Oh gosh, probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably so many. Like, if there are other booking agents out there, um, I would love to hear any advice that you would have. Uh, you know, something that you learn from the school of hard knocks that maybe I should be aware of and, and watch out for, um, you know, I would, I would love to hear that. Uh, I've, I'm sure I've, I've already definitely learned some hard lessons for sure, (laughs) real life lessons. Um, and thankfully I am working with, uh, Chuck Sweeney, who has been wonderful in helping guide me through like every step of this and, you know, uh, training me essentially. Um, so I haven't had to had too many hard knocks just yet, but I'm sure they're coming. So I would love to hear from anyone else who, especially if you had to go it alone and figure it out for yourself and you didn't have someone helping you through Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. um, would love that for sure. Yeah. Actually, right after this, I'm going to share a previous episode with a man named Zoe Begos, um, who is a local Milwaukee area guy who definitely fits that that description. So, um, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very cool. 
And then um, are there any particular platforms we can find you? Where, where can we find you on your um, social media website? Absolutely. Uh, So unfortunately, I am so behind the curve. I have a domain, but I do not have my website built yet. Um, But I'm hoping to get that uh, starting in the next week or so, finally get that built up uh, for especially for voiceover. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've been added to a company's roster just for their in-house clients and everything. So I we that's something I'm looking forward to as well. He's having a big conference coming up. So I'm going to get to meet those clients in person. and, you know, hopefully grow the business from there. But uh, of course, I'm on I'm on all the socials, uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, I believe are all Carly Evans here. Um, it used to be Carly Evans on air. And then I wasn't on air anymore <laughs> for a few months. So I was like, I need to change it to something. And I, you know, and, and everything Carly Evans, Carly underscore Evans, whatever was taken. So I added here to the end and they let me do it. Um, so I think, I think all those are that. Um, I have a TikTok. Uh, I don't do a lot with TikTok. You can go on there and watch a video of a drunk guy who crashed into my fence one night. <laughs> um, that's gotten a, a really good amount of views. <laughs> and I had no idea. I thought TikTok had taken it down. Sorry, there's... I'm trying to pull up my TikTok and it's... There, I turned my volume down. Um, it had gotten a lot of views. I thought TikTok had taken it down for some reason. I got a notification and then I logged in like a couple months later and it was still there and it had gotten, now it's over 13,000 views. So I posted a part two where I just told, updated everyone on what happened in the aftermath. Um, so otherwise it's either embarrassing videos of my husband or cute videos of my dog. Um <laughs> my TikTok. So hilarious. Uh, Yeah. You know, I'm in the same boat. I tried TikTok one time with one video and it took me like two hours to post a 20 second video. It kept cutting off on me. I was trying to give that update and it kept like too long. And I'm like, I don't understand this. (laughs) I know. So, you know, maybe someday. Yeah. We'll figure it out together. I realize how old I probably sound and saying that. But, I, I feel know. so old saying it, but it's true. <laughs> if we aren't honest with ourselves, who can we be? For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, is there anything that we didn't cover on this podcast that you might like to bring up? Um, I, 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 I will probably get off here and be like, oh my God, we didn't talk about this or this or this. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think we pretty well covered it. And, you know, if anybody ever has questions for me too, please reach out. I am horrible at answering Instagram messages. I'm trying to be better about it. But Facebook Messenger, um, through my Carly Evans page, I'm usually on top of. So Mm -hmm. if you have questions for that, please feel free to reach out. I'm I'm always happy to help in any way I can. Yeah. Oh, and you know what I meant? I wanted to ask you about the podcast too that you have. So that would be um, a good one. (laughs) (laughs) We both forgot. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, do you know what what you might have coming up with that? Um, And do you, uh, yeah, I mean, where can we find out information on that too? Yes. The troubadourpodcast.com is the website. I believe this weekend we are getting ready to launch episode 152. Um, We have an amazing guitar player and singer songwriter um, coming on by the name of Mark Thornton. He used to play with uh, Jerry Reed you know, eastbound and down. Um, so a very, he was amazing to talk to super excited for him right now. We're still on the monthly cadence. Uh, and I can't remember who's on for next month, but we definitely have always have some, some amazing artists and some amazing conversations. It's really cool how, uh, usually artists will get so candid with us and they're Mm -hmm. so willing to share their stories. Like one time, um, Ward Davis, who is an amazing singer, songwriter, uh, and musician himself. Uh, we were on the phone when he found out he, the offer was accepted on his new house, you know, so mm-hmm. we were on zoom together. So, you know, it was just, sometimes you just get these really cool, uh, stories out of that. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, the troubadour podcast.com and we're, and it's available anywhere you listen to podcasts as well. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Thank well, you. Carly Evans. Thank you so much for being here. 
Carly Evans here, being here <laughs> on the Musicians Adventure podcast. So it, it's been such a delight getting to know you. And you as well. Um, yeah. Thanks so much and have a good rest of your night. You too. I appreciate it so much, Allison. Thanks for listening to the Musicians Adventure podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from where you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for information on what we have happening, past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Newmeyer. Thanks again for listening.